the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. sessions everybody what a fun episode this one is um not only was this guy a great guest we got to do it in person man what a difference it is to be able to do stuff in person i feel like we've all gotten so used to doing things on zoom which is great and fine and and i feel like we all like started zooming and having meetings or like recording shows and whatever um we were kind of all talking over each other and couldn't pick up on like the cues of when someone was going to begin to talk or finish talking. And everyone's a little bit different when you're going like interview to interview um, that you kind of get in those rhythms and it all starts to feel normal and fine. But being able to do it in person, man, what a game changer. So nice. I got to do that more often. I mean, people come into Vegas. It's a hub. It's a spot for people to be. I mean... Can I get Shania on the Twain? Shania on the Twain. Wow. Shania Twain on the show. I did have a glass of wine before I started recording this. So that's why I just said it like that. Um, also, mom brain. Can we call it mom brain? We can call it that. Um, who else is in Vegas that I could get that's like just here? I mean, obviously people are coming in and they're like on vacations or people just like pop through. It's not far from Los Angeles. And I can bring people into my house and have a little hangout. So um, Arya Davari is my guest on the show today, and we uh, we enjoyed a, a little coffee together. We had a little hangout, got to shoot the ship before we got in here and started recording the show. He brought over an adorable little onesie for sweet baby Nora. So shout out to him for just being a straight up stand up man. Um, and just had a cool chat. You know, I've never really even got to chat that much in depth with him before during our time in WWE together. Cause like, you know, there's a million people and you're all pulled in so many different directions. So it was cool to be able to just kind of pick his brain and learn more about him and, uh, him as a wrestler, him as a person. So I feel like you guys are going to, uh, going to dig this little chit chat that we had. Um, anyways, think of more people that I should have in person to do oral sessions. Get your brains working. Send me some tweets. Let me know who's in Las Vegas so we can get. I mean, obviously UFC's in town. You can get some UFC fighters. Uh, WWE's in town for SummerSlam. We've got some of that coming up. Um, so yeah, let me know. Anyways, here we go. Let's get into it. Here's Arya Davari. Oh my gosh, I'm excited that we're like in the same room. I know. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, yeah. it's first time in a while that I've had time to just sit around and not do anything. So I figured come out to Vegas and do a little party. Does it feel weird to just have free time? The fact that we just kind of came off COVID. Yeah. It, I was a little bit used to it, mm-hmm. but it still is kind of weird. It's weird when you're sitting at home, totally healthy, no injuries, no nothing. Wrestling's going on. Yeah. Because that was the only difference about COVID. It's when I was sitting at home, a lot of people were sitting at home. Sure. But right now, like. Wrestling. Well, to be fair, there's still a lot of people sitting at home. <laughs> yes, tr- fair enough. But there's a lot of awesome wrestling going on right now. And mm-hmm. I'm just like having to sit home and just watch it. So it's kind of like making me all like antsy. Yeah. You know, like get out and do stuff. But that time's coming. So but you're close. September yeah. 23rd, your non-compete is up the 90 yes. days. Yeah. Do you, do you just have like a calendar up and like marking down the days till you're ready to oh, get yeah. on? Right? Yeah, I'm literally counting down the days. But yeah, yeah, I'm starting to get all my bookings figured out and I can start talking to other companies a little yeah. bit more seriously. Yeah. So yeah, so I cannot wait until the 23rd. So 
of course it's like unfortunate to to be released from a contract to be in that situation but kind of there couldn't be a better time for it to happen right the fact that AEW, Impact, New Japan, MLW, NWA, all these places are starting to blow up. AAA now is getting more exposure in America. Yeah. Like it is. There used to be a time where if you weren't wrestling in WWE, like there wasn't a lot of other places. There were other places to go. Yeah. But who knows what kind of publicity you would get, what kind of money you'd get, what kind yeah. of matches you'd get. But now the talent is everywhere, the exposure is everywhere. There's fight TV and stuff like yeah. that. With all the even smaller independent companies yeah. now have big channels on YouTube. I think like Beyond Wrestling has yeah. like a million subscribers on YouTube and stuff People like that. Love wrestling. It's it couldn't be right. It couldn't be a better time to be a free agent. Yeah, it's it's really a cool time. And also given your style and you know you came into WWE through the Cruiserweight Championship tournament, mm. uh working through 205 Live, which What's your take on on 205 Live and through the cruiserweight division and what kind of happened there? It's kind of twofold. For one, the cruiserweight division obviously gave smaller guys like me an opportunity to work in the WWE. My entire life, I always said, I'm going to be in the WWE. I'm going to wrestle there. I know I will. But in the back of my head, you go, you're also five foot ten, you know, yeah. an average WWE wrestler. The guys I always looked up to were these giant hosses of men. So I always wonder, I said, well, it just seems that way when you have someone standing. Yeah. It really work out that way. But uh, so there was always that was the only thing that was like, that might be the only roadblock I have. They mm-hmm. say, hey, you're a great wrestler, good look, all that kind of stuff, but you just don't fit the size bill. Sure. So when they came up with this cruiserweight classic and they said, hey, we're going to give another run at the cruiserweight division, mm-hmm. I was very grateful for that. And obviously all the guys who are in it are kind of guys who are in the same position I was. We're all talented wrestlers. We've all been grinding away for yeah. 10 years. We all had tryouts and looks and all that kind of stuff. And I think we all knew deep down, like, man, the only thing that's going to hold me back is if they're not into my size. Right. So what are uh, kicking the dick that <laughs> I know, right? Like, well, there's, there's nothing you can do. So that was really cool. Now on the other side of the token, I just know in the history of how WWE does things once you have that like cruiserweight stamp on you, yeah. it might be really like swimming upstream the entire time because at the end of the day, it's still Vince McMahon's show. Mm-hmm. He still likes big giant dudes and stuff like that. So that sounds funny to say, but uh, <laughs> he does. The yeah. man likes what he likes. He likes big giant dudes, yeah. and uh, so that was the only thing. I was happy that it created an opportunity for me to finally wrestle in WWE. But I also knew I said, I didn't want to be labeled a cruiserweight. When I was an independent wrestler for 10 years, yeah. I was never a cruiserweight. I was never a lightweight because independent wrestling, it's all shapes and sizes. Sure. It doesn't matter. So but even WWE in general still is that, I mean, you look at somebody like a, a Daniel Bryan, mm-hmm. AJ Styles, some of yeah. these guys that might not have necessarily also fit, fit that same build, mm-hmm. but here they are main eventing, you know, WrestleManias and pay-per-views and all that. And that, re- I think that really helped. You know, I like to give credit to guys like Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, and honestly, even Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is a guy who sure. is a smaller guy in like the combat world of sports. Mm-hmm. And I think back in the day, it was always looked at like heavyweights for the draws, you know, the Mike Tysons of the sure. world. Someone like Conor McGregor showed that you can be a smaller guy and still be like a legitimate athlete. You can mm-hmm. still be a badass and people still want to pay to see you. Yeah. So I think he helped with that. Daniel Bryan helped with that. AJ Styles helped with that. So mm-hmm. I think that finally pushed WWE to say like, look, you need to look beyond people's size and just look at their raw skill and their talent. And if you they can, can bring something, yeah, you, you can be a 
star within that company. If you can bring good wrestling to the table, and thankfully wrestling fans, especially today, they appreciate good wrestling. So I yeah. think they'll look past the fact. And honestly, if you're a big jacked up dude who can't wrestle, like that's a bad thing. That's like, terrible. That's a, There's no getting past yeah, that. Yeah, that's a prejudice that some fans might have. Sure. They say like, ah, just another one of these guys. So there was a while where... The smaller, I feel like from 2014 up until 2020, I should throw the Young Bucks in there too. They were obviously guys who I think the WWOs looked at them like, what's their deal? They're smaller guys. But then they went off and killed and became the most popular tag team in the world. So a lot of these guys kind of paved the way for this cruiserweight division to finally be taken a little bit seriously. Mm -hmm. And, And like I said, like 205, I mean, it's still running right now. I don't know exactly what's going on with it, but the show had a pretty solid five-year run, which I think in the WWE, that's not bad for cruiserweights. It's not bad. No, it's not bad to look at at all. But yeah, it's like, I think that you look at sort of what you assume and what we know that WWE wants, what Vince Mm -hmm. McMahon wants versus what fans want now, because fans do want to see all of these different styles of wrestling. And that's why, I mean, you rattled off all these other promotions, whether they're on TV or they've got like a YouTube presence or whatever they might be doing. And they're all thriving and doing really well because nobody just wants that cookie cutter mold of just this giant jacked dude. Right. It's, it's having all these different platforms for people to jump to. So yeah, I mean, it just seems like such a cool time to really dip your toes into this water and like be back in control of your own career. 100%. And the other thing too, is that like, it always kind of bothered me that WWE looked at this size thing when in reality, like being a WWE wrestler, like I'm sure John told you and you being there yourself, it's a very hard job. If you're not dedicated to professional wrestling, if you haven't dedicated your life to your, to the craft of professional wrestling, I don't think it's going to work out for you. So a lot of the guys who are on 205, me, Ali, Gulag, Wednesday, Tony, like we're all very dedicated to pro wrestling. We love pro wrestling. We took it extremely seriously when we were on the independent scene. So it was always kind of weird to me that I was like, WWE should want that. You should want guys who say like, you know, I'm here for this business. I'm, I'm here to die for the business. Like all that kind yeah. of shit. Like W should be like, hell yeah. Like these are the guys we want on our team who yeah. want to grind it out, who want to travel 300 days a year and stuff like Do that. But house shows and like get, yeah, I mean, but they the use, point. sometimes they'll use your love and passion for pro wrestling against you a little bit. So it's, it's kind of, it was always kind of weird to me that I said, you should want like a roster full of guys who just absolutely love professional wrestling and they care about it and they took it upon themselves to learn the, learn the road and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff before they got to WWE. So it was just kind of weird to me that sometimes those guys like, ah, like we don't want to go with this guy. We'll go with this football player who like this was his second choice you know like football was his first love wrestling's his backup choice what do you think that kind of stems from of sort yeah i mean there is a lot of that feeling or even like the people that sort of seem like they don't really necessarily want to be there all the time and they don't want to do that grind what is that thing that just um is it like wanting to date the girl that doesn't really want to date you? <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't know. And like the funny thing is, my brother always told me he goes, "The day you stop giving a fuck is the day they're gonna like push you." <laughs> but, yes. but I said I can never not give a fuck. Like I yeah. care about this so much. Like I can't just be like, nah, whatever. I'll just, I'll just phone it into my match tonight. Right. Like I, I can, I couldn't do that. I don't have like the confidence to go go out there and have a shitty match and be like, eh, whatever. Like, right. no, I have to like, you're only as good as your last match. So I have to like wrestle my ass off every time. So I don't know where that comes from, but on the flip side too, look, there's been tons of guys who've come from other sports. Look at the rock. The rock was a football player. Yeah. He said it before he was trying to make it to the NFL. It didn't work out. And yeah. then he went to pro wrestling, but he, he has a family lineage. Yeah. He has a family lineage and he actually really, really loved it. But yeah. 
when I did my tryout a few times when I was at the PC, like there were some, there was, I remember at my tryout, I met this like bodybuilder guy. So I was like, Oh, like, you know, what's your story? And this and that. He's like, Oh, they emailed me to come here. I blew it off. And then they emailed me again and I blew it off. Then they called me. So like, here I am. Like, what about you? I'm like, well, I've been wrestling for like eight years dying to be here, but I don't know. It's weird. Like I said, I think every, but that's the nice thing about all these other companies that I listed. I think they're the ones who say, no, we want the guys who are on board with professional wrestling. And I've been, I've been saying this in every interview. I said, AEW is a company. I said, they're doing pro wrestling, right? Like yeah. I love pro wrestling. I know like when I was in WWE, like don't say pro wrestling. I'm like, this is pro wrestling. This, yeah. You're here. You're sports entertainer, superstar. Yeah. I go, what we do is pro wrestling. What the fans want is pro wrestling. So sometimes when you give them like this, like sports entertainment bullshit, like they're not going to be into it. They yeah. want to see pro wrestling. That's what we all love. So yeah. And I think as people uh, become more educated on pro wrestling as well. And you guys hear my baby crying? Yeah. Yeah, that's coming up on the <laughs> That's what we do when we're working at home. Sometimes the baby's crying. My mom's on it. It's fine. Yeah. She's okay, I assure you. She'll be on the show eventually, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah she'll be fine. Um, but yeah, these people kind of become more educated on what pro wrestling is and looks like, too. They want more of that. You know, they like yeah. to be on the inside, too. They don't mm. want to be fed, like, here's the guy you're supposed to love, and there's always yeah. that revolt and pushback. It, it's just such a... It's a tricky game. It, it is. can be a little treacherous. And yeah, and that's the one thing is that I feel like a lot of these other companies, and I've heard other people say this, and I'd say, you know, that's true. They don't they don't insult the fans' intelligence. Sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like WWE does that a little bit where yeah. they just try to feed them some bullshit. And if you're a lifelong wrestling fan, you kind of like see through that right away, sure. you know? Like yeah. give them pro wrestling. That's what they want. Like I get WWE's like this global entertainment company, but like you're still a wrestling company. Like yeah. your bread and butter is pro Leave wrestling. It it. Yeah. Okay. So it, and that's what your fans want. So yeah. Other companies, I think, just do a better job of listening to what the fans want, and then they give them pro wrestling. Yeah. What was your tryout like? So that was back in 2014. Um, I did, like, the tryout where you came to TV. Remember, like, when all the... Oh, yeah. yeah, I used to love those. It was, yeah. Oh, my God. Everyone gathered around the ring, and you, like, which sucks, because I imagine that's kind of... Once I became an actual WWE employee, it was great to sit Mm -hmm. there and watch. But, when yeah, when you're on the flip side, when you're doing that, it wasn't really fun. So, for people that don't know, I mean, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably do know. But, yeah, before they would do tryouts at the PC and whatnot, they would have people come in on Raw, SmackDown days... And the tryouts would happen in the ring while the rest of the sign talent would yeah. sit around and watch you. Yeah. And, don't, and, shit. and I'll be honest, like, I, like, once I got there, I leaned into it. I became that oh, guy. I, I was, like, sitting there with my arms folded, like, <laughs> see what you got, kid. Because, like, I... As soon as you realize, like, oh, yeah. wait, the tryouts are happening right now. Yeah, I want to go right. see. Here I go. Because, no offense, like, sometimes you see some real shitty wrestling. Sure. And you'd always just be like, this is your big opportunity, your big WWE tryout, like... That's the gear you chose. That's right. the shape you decided to show up yeah. in. Like when I came to those, I wore like my absolutely best gear. I worked out. I tanned like a hundred times. I was like, <laughs> got a nice haircut. Like I was like, I got to look absolutely. I just, the way I looked at it, I said, I have to pretend like I'm on TV. Let's mm-hmm. pretend I'm already hired by WWE. What would I put on TV? So yeah. that's why I said, I want to look my absolute best. So I got there. I did it. Um, I actually had a very busy day. So I did a, I did like the tryout match in front of everybody. Uh, William Regal was there. He said, oh, you got, did a great job. The best. Yeah, he's the best. Love Regal. I, I give him lots of credit, the reason why I even got my job. Yeah. 
So we did that. And the guy that I wrestled, um, we, we did well because we wrestled each other and they said, we want to see you in a dark match. So I said, Oh, awesome. Like we get to wrestle each other in front of like the crowd. Like did that, you did your trial. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's a Minnesota guy. His name is Lewis. Um, we wrestled so many times. So I said, man, if we get to wrestle in front of the people, like we're going to fucking tear it up. Yeah. Um, uh, but then I was like, you guys are going to tag in a handicap match against the great Kali. And I was like, you serious? Like the great oh Kali. I'm like, okay, I'm super excited to get a dark match opportunity. But I was like, the fuck am I going to do with great Kali? <laughs> like get ready for that job. And, uh, fit Finley was our agent. So we were, we're kind of talking to him and I said to him, I said, uh, like, what do you want us to do exactly? Like, can we like, are we going to like put heat on him or is it just like ding, 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 you get choke slammed and it's over. Yeah. And he looked at me, he goes, you're a fucking wrestler. Like figure it out. And I was like, cool. Okay. Right, so we go talk to Kali. We put the match together and it turned out to actually be a pretty fun uh, tag match. It's actually on YouTube. If anybody wants to watch it, some fan recorded, but it was still a very short match. You know, he just kind of threw us around a little bit. Then we stopped him and put him in the corner and just kind of like kicked his ass for a little yeah. bit. And then it turned into the big chop choke slam. And that was it. <laughs> but that was the first time I got to like be in front of the people and, I kind of took it as like, I, I think they knew like, he's obviously not going to like show out against the great Kali. There's nothing you can really do, but they sure. said, let's just see how he does. Let's just see if he can bump, if he can sell, if he's going to be a pain in the ass, if he's going to sure. freeze up in front of the people, all sure. that kind of shit. It went really well after that. Regal pulled me aside. He said, hey, we're going to send you to the performance center and do like a tryout. Go there, do the tryout. There's a lot of great people in my tryout. Uh, that's where Kevin Owens was in my tryout. Roderick Strong, uh, ACH, Rocky Romero, Willie Mack, like tons of great guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we do the tryout. And I just told this story recently, but I'll tell it again. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Indies, I used to do this move called the Magic Carpet Ride, where I'd jump off the top rope, like holding a rug. I did it in my tryout match and like it popped all the boys. So I was like, all right, cool. I remember like the Usos were like, yo, we like that carpet thing you did. So I was like, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm definitely going to do it because it was always the thing that people remembered me by. Yeah. Like if they didn't remember my name, they'd be like magic carpet guy. Like, yeah. All right. So they remember. So wrestling the match, we have eight minutes. I hit the magic carpet. We're going home. I was the finish. And all of a sudden the bell rings. I'm like, what the fuck? Like there's a big clock on the wall. I'm like, do we go over our time? Whatever. And that's when Bill DeMott was still there. And he goes, that's a foreign object disqualification. We don't do that indie bullshit here next. And I was just kind of like, Oh shit. Stop. Yeah. I was like, did I just like fuck up my tryout just because I was like trying to do something to stand <laughs> out? <laughs> yeah. But again, I just thought it was an interesting thing that I did. And then uh luckily Regal pulled me aside afterwards. He goes, I know what you're doing. He's like, just understand we do things differently here and blah 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 blah. So yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh unfortunately I didn't get picked up out of that tryout. You know, I thought I did really well. You mm-hmm. know, everyone was telling me I was doing really well, but it didn't happen. But then two years later I got the email for the CWC. So like Kind of worked out from there. Yeah. What was it like in those two years after? Like, what happens when you don't get picked up after having a trial like that? <sighs> you want to jump off a building? <laughs> no. uh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Because wrestling wasn't the same then. As no, it, it wasn't. Yeah. Like, what, there, you know, a lot of these companies obviously were still existing during those times and whatnot, but like the opportunities were not as uh, no. rampant as they are now. I didn't get the job out of it. And I remember I screenshotted like my rejection email. Cause I'm like, I'm going to fucking read this before yeah. every match I go wrestle now, uh-huh. just a you know, little fire under my hand. Let me sh- show them. But mm-hmm. a part of me was a little defeated. Cause I said like, damn, that was my WWE tryout. I gave them everything I got. And they Did s- they tell you what, what? No. So, like, so no, they, they, the they told us on that last day, they said, we'll let you know if we're going to hire you or not. And uh, please don't reply to this email. Like we're not going to like, tell you what you did wrong or anything yeah. like that. And I was like, that's fucking dumb, but yeah, whatever. Um, so yeah, I just got an email and said like, sorry, we don't have anything for you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but like I said, so you give them everything you got. So I was kind of like, 
well, shit, I think the door for WWE is closed. You know, like mm-hmm. I, they said no. And I, I did a promo. I did a match for them. I hung out with them for a couple of days, did all my drills and all that stuff. And they weren't interested. Yeah. So I said, maybe that's it. So that's when I kind of really started pursuing other places, you know, cause I was always very WWE focused just because of my brother, you know, I sure. saw my brother go from Indies to WWE. I said, I want to follow that path. But that's when I like, I found a tryout camp for ring of honor. I went and oh, did awesome. that and I got yeah. uh, booked for a couple of shows there. I got to work with like Robert strong and Bobby fish. So I said, you know, and like that kind of like re boosted my confidence a little bit. I said, Hey, you know what? Fuck it. There's like, I remember being at those ring of honor shows, like the matches were all really good. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, Hey, you know what? Like fuck WWE. Like there'll be other places I can wrestle and go kill it and stuff like yeah. that. But I don't know if me doing those other things and just kind of like staying at it and grinding it, maybe they kept me on their radar. Maybe I was always on their radar. Sure. And like I said, they just said no at that time. Like, yeah. I have, and you know, I mean, we know being there too, is like, they kind of know in their head, like they might've seen the cruiserweight classic coming up down. The yeah. Line. Yeah. Like, yeah. That'll be perfect. For um, that. so then, yeah, I just kept doing that. And then just one day I woke up to an email that said like, Hey, we have a one-time opportunity to the WWE. So I was like, Oh yes. I said, okay, I have another chance to go in there and like impress and hopefully try to get a job out of it. So those two years were a little like unsettling just because I was like, I have to yeah. kind of find a new path in wrestling. Now I used to be always like, try to get straight to the WWE. I was like, okay, now I have to deviate, maybe go some other places. But like I said, when I screenshotted that email, like I was reading it a lot before mm-hmm. matches. I was like, you got nothing for me. Like, I'll, 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 fucking job. I'll make you find something for me. <laughs> you know, like, I'll find something yeah. for you to find. Uh, but yeah, so like those two years, they were a little rocky, but eventually it kind of all figured itself yeah. out. What was it like? Um, what do you remember of your brother's time in WWE? Man, so I was in high school at that But she's there as a producer now. Yes. Sean Devari, if you don't know. No, it's cool. So obviously when he got into, he got into wrestling around like 1999. So I was, you know, 11 years old or something. Yeah. He has the little kid. So I was going to these, uh, indie shows in Minnesota and, you know, it was pretty cool because at any time I was on a, those shows, I could see like Ken Anderson, ODB, Austin Aries, you know, I think yeah. sometimes like punk and Cabana were there too. Cause they're all like Midwest guys, Yeah, but he did like the Indies for five years. And then I was with him the day we were sitting at my mom's house. Uh, he wasn't living there at the time, but he was just visiting. And uh, he got a call from Jim Ross saying like, Hey, we're going to hire you. And he, I, I just like, he's talking, he's talking, talking, he hangs up. He's like, I just got hired by WWE. Like, ah, we all like jumped up. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, like, oh Cause God. he was, he was only 20 years old. Like he couldn't even legally drink. <laughs> he was hired by the WWE cause they had this Muhammad Hassan gimmick in mind and they wanted my brother to mm-hmm. be his manager and all that kind of stuff. So like, it was a trip, like just being a lifelong wrestling fan and all of a sudden your older brothers and WWE. So he went down to Louisville. He was in OVW for a little bit. And then when he debuted on raw, like, he like called us that day. He's like, Hey, we're debuting tonight. Like, Oh, awesome. So me yeah. and my mom and dad were all sitting there and like, it was a trip just to like see him. I was like, my brother's on WWE TV. And like, yeah. he was there when it was like really popping off. Like totally. Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Eddie Guerrero, Batista, Benoit, mm-hmm. like everybody, Rey Mysterio, Edge, like everyone in their heyday. Like he was there with all the guys that we like watched That's growing cool. up, John Cena, Randy Orton, like everybody yeah. was in there. I mean, those guys were like still kind of new. Yeah. They were like, they were, like still kind of yeah. new, but like yeah. he was there, Chris Jericho, Christian, like very like legendary wrestlers. He yeah. got to like share the locker room with. And I got to see him wrestle Shawn Michaels. You know, he so. did that spot with, I was at that WrestleMania in LA where like they came out, they beat up Eugene and Hulk Hogan's music hit. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, my brother's doing stuff with Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania. Like yeah. it was quite a trip like to see all that like unfold and really like kind of like charges you up as far as like 
I, damn, I like, no, yeah, I, I was like, that. he can do that. And the funny thing is when I asked my parents, like, hey, can I be a wrestler? They're like, they were all for it. Cause they're like, yeah, don't, doesn't everyone just get like <laughs> signed and become super rich and wrestle Hulk Hogan? Yeah. He had a little bit of like, well, he had to convince them a little bit more to be a wrestler mm-hmm. for me. They're like, yeah, go for it. Like, <laughs> the yeah, Sean killed it. So you, you should too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get so it was, it was very cool. And like I said, the whole time I was in high school during this time, I'm still yeah. just a kid, you know, watching my older brother on WWE TV. So it was, it was really cool and very motivating. Boxing legend Manny Pacquiao returns to the ring this Saturday for the first time in two years. And FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new customers exclusive 30 to 1 odds on either fighter to win when he takes on your Danies Ugas. That's right. Now is the perfect time to give FanDuel a shot because you can win $150 on a $5 bet. FanDuel's always hooking you up with exclusive odds boosts, great promotions, and so much more. That's why they're America's number one sports book. And don't miss out on your chance to win 150 bucks on a $5 bet when Manny Pacquiao returns to the ring against your Danies Ugas. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code Renee. That's R-E-N-E-E to get in on the action. That is promo code Renee. Disclaimer, must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, or West Virginia. Odds boost available for new users only. Must wager on designated boost market. $10 first deposit required. Max bonus $150. Risk-free bet refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund $10. Restrictions apply. See full terms for both offers at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER, New Jersey and Virginia, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Um, do you remember when I lost my wallet and your brother's like, didn't his like girlfriend find Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the weirdest oh, thing. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I actually was just talking about losing my, I had Chelsea Green on, we are talking about like putting like good into the universe and yeah. things come back. And I was like, yeah, I lost my wallet one time on top of my car, drove away. Flew. I was like on the phone with John, but he yeah. was like in Japan wrestling with uh, WWB at the time, something like that. Drove off and I was like, oh shit, I lost my wallet. And then like you DM'd me and you're like, my like brother's ex-girlfriend has your wallet. Like, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they lived out here in Vegas and yeah, I think she just found it and she's like, oh. What are the odds? Yeah, really it was super weird. Happens. Yeah, then he messaged me. He's like, do you know Ray- Renee Young? Like, Alicia found her wallet, so if you want to let her know. So weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, I had to, like, knock on this chick's door and get my, yeah, like, what are the odds that, yeah. like, you lose your wallet? I don't know anyone in this town. Right. Like, especially then, I really did Of course, yeah, yeah. Town. So I was like, what? And it just so happens to be another, someone who's also, like, in the business, yes. and, like, like knows who you are and all that kind of stuff. Everything comes back to wrestling, yeah, right. guys. <laughs> Everything. It is always connected. Because I thought must have been, yeah, like, right around when you came into, because mm-hmm. I didn't even know you. Yeah, yeah, like, Wait. yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, crazy. Um, so your parents, they are into wrestling? They're very supportive of what we want to do, mm-hmm. obviously, but they were never like my dad always tells us a joke. He goes, I wish like the dedication you put into being a wrestler, you put into like being a doctor, because then you'd be like the best doctor in the world. Sure. <laughs> you know? Um what do your parents do? So um my dad, so up until just recently, he owned a restaurant uh, in Minneapolis called the Leaning Tower Pizza. He owned it for 40 years almost. Wow. 
And he actually just sold it. So he's like, finally gonna retire. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, and my mom kind of helped him with that. And then when they split up, she just kind of worked like normal jobs for a while. But she recently moved out to California. So she lives out in uh, Laguna Niguel now. Her. Yeah, I know. Yeah, she's loving it. And there's yeah. a very good like Persian community out there. So she's like all about that. And then my dad is actually looking to move to Temecula soon in California. Oh, nice. Yeah, I go out to like the wine country area oh, a little bit. Yeah. They're doing it right. Yeah, yeah. So they're both kind of like now they're starting to like slowly retire and this and that. And my my mom, she wanted to move to California forever. Mm-hmm. And when I turned 18, I started like pushing. I'm like, go, like I'm an adult now, fine. Which obviously at that time, like, no, I clearly was not. <laughs> Wait, mom, um, I still need you. Until I got like signed and made a bunch of money and yeah. like bought my own house. She's like, okay, I think I can move now. I was like, yes, yeah. you can like, please go. I've been telling you to go for a long time. I know you want to. So she actually moved in January of 2020. So she gets out there and then like, and California has been super strict with oh, COVID. Yeah. So she's out there for like a month and a half and then just everything just shuts down. So she basically just had to sit at home for, I mean, she was like going on walks and going to the beach and stuff like that. But so over the last like four or five months, she's really been like discovering all their places and stuff like that. And she met this guy now. So everything's been a lot better now. Have you met him yet? Yeah. He's super cool. Yeah. Super nice guy. You know, it's a, the funny thing is, like, when she tells, like, two of my sons are wrestlers, they get all like, oh, oh, totally. oh, oh my God, guys? yeah, who are these guys? So I met him. He's a super nice guy. He's harmless, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I don't want my mom to be lonely. I don't want her to be by herself, you know? When God, I wish my mom would date. Yeah, right. I yeah. Wish. I, I, it's never been weird to me. I know some people are kind of like, who's this guy with my mom? But yeah. I say, what's the flip side? Do I want her to sit at home and be lonely and have like totally. nobody and stuff like that? Like we can hang out with her and stuff like that, but you still need that like companionship. Uh, totally. You 100%. Know? Like I would say that with my mom, my mom's a hell of a catch. She's yeah. a little firecracker. I'm like you would like light it up. Yeah. Like, they're dating and she's just like, has no interest. Doesn't right. like, yeah, I'm like, I wish that you had a companion. I wish she was in the Yeah. Hand. And like I said, like, you can hang out with your sons and stuff like that. But like that, you need someone your own age to hang out with mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So I was always very happy and okay with her dating because yeah. she's a very smart woman. I don't think she's going to date some like piece of shit or nothing. Sure. Like she's had a few boyfriends before this guy. They're all very nice, great guys, you know? Actually, she's a little firecracker herself. She's 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 the one who broke up with them. So yeah, Please, yeah. Get out of here. Not they're, they're, they're not keeping up with her. So how old were you when your parents split? 13 or uh, ninth grade, whatever yeah. age that is. Yeah. I always thought that would be like a weird age to go through something like that. Cause I was so young when my parents split yeah. that it was like so, barely a blip on my radar. Right. Just like how I'm like happy. My mom has someone like, I don't know if I've always just been kind of a more like progressive thinker, but when they sat me down and said like, Hey, it's not working out between us and this and that we're fighting a lot. You know, I think it'd be best if we split up. Like, I was like, okay, like, yeah, if you guys don't like being together and you're yeah. miserable and you're fighting, like, I want you guys to both be happy. So if you guys want to split up, like, that, that's fine with me. Like, there, it was time to yeah, there was no, like, big custody issues. I didn't do any of that shit. Yeah. Like, it was just, you know, hang out with your dad sometimes. I lived with my mom, you know, and yeah. do it like that. And no, it never really had any, like, ramifications or any issues with me. Like, I yeah. wanted them to both be happy. And I said, yeah. being together... Honestly, like the few times I heard them fighting, like that was really upsetting to me. Sure. I don't want to see my parents fighting or your parents crying or stuff like that. So I knew them splitting up would be for the best. And yeah. I was totally cool with it. I was happy for their decisions, you know, because yeah. they've always been cool about that with me. They're very like, we're very like all independent people in our family. So yeah, I've gathered. yeah. <laughs> so they've always been very like, you know, whatever you want to do, like just don't do anything bad or illegal, but like whatever you want to do, like we support that. So I'll just, I gave that back to them. Whatever yeah. you guys want to do, you know, I'm cool with it. You know? Have you ever gotten into like some trouble? 
No, I've so not, nothing bad. Like I've gotten like a handful of like underage drinking tickets and stuff oh, like I that. Mean, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I got an underage drinking ticket the day before my twenty first birthday. And Come on, man! Yeah, until midnight. Yeah, it was that. And I, I remember showing the cop my ID. I said, "Look at my ID. Like I turn twenty one tomorrow." And he was like, "Damn, you almost made it!" And I was what like, "What a dick!" And I remember being like, "Like, are you fucking kidding me?" And he started like, like he started blowing up to me. I was like, right, "I'm not gonna Never get mind. fucking arrested." That was. That's always been my thing. Like at TSA too, like I'll fight with the people until they say, should we call the police? I'm like, nope, you win. <laughs> like, Fine. But yeah, uh, no, never been arrested. Never been to jail. Uh, my dad always says that. Like he's so proud of us. He's like, I've never had to bail my kids out of jail. I'm like, wow, dad, like set that bar real yeah. high. Uh, but yeah, no, not nothing too bad. I mean, like we did do like bad shit when we were kids, like smash mailboxes and shit like that, but just never got caught. So like that's something kids should be doing. I yeah. mean, yeah, of course. I mean, I don't know. Everyone's so sensitive about everything. Be a kid, learn yeah, to like, yeah, yeah. Learn, I mean, learn to get in trouble and get away with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, very basic vandalism. You spray paint, spray paint some shit, <laughs> smash a few pumpkins there in Halloween, you know, yeah. like shit that when I look back on it, I was like, ah, I do feel bad. Like if I woke up one day and like my mailbox was smashed, I'd be like, oh, what the fuck? Like, like you don't think about the other people, sure. but, but no, for the most part, I think we were, we were pretty good kids. I mean, once we got into wrestling, it was just kind of like wrestle, wrestle, like breaking shit in the house. Cause we were like dropping oh elbows through God. tables and shit what, like that. What's, yeah. the, what's the age gap between you and Sean? Only five years. Oh, okay. yeah. so you guys definitely got it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we wrestled a lot. But uh, the funny thing is, like, he got hired so young. He was 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And when I got to WWE, it was about almost 10 years between our time there. Yeah. So when I got there, some people were like, oh, like Deshaun Devar, you have a son? Like, I don't know. There's like a <laughs> second generation. Because yes, it, it was just so far apart and like what WWE was from when he was there and when I was there. Mm-hmm. But we are like, oh, like, like, damn, what's the age difference? You're like five years. Like five years? Like, what the fuck? Like, you guys are like yeah. basically really close in age. I said, he just got hired super soon. He turned 21 while he yeah. was in WWE. Like, it was crazy. How was it having him as a producer there while you were working? Out? Did he kind of set you up? Did he give you like any advice on like kind of how to navigate the business behind the scenes and all that? Yeah, definitely. So we... I think by design, he only produced like one of my matches. I don't know if they just said like, we don't want them working because we, I was on a lot of episodes of 205, but he would produce the other match. So I don't know if they did that on purpose, but no, he gave me a lot of good advice um, coming in when I was, you know, coming into WWE. And even when I was an independent wrestler, like, cause I said, he shared the locker room with a lot of like legendary guys, yeah. Chris Jericho, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, you know, Undertaker, all these guys. So when he would give me advice on wrestling, he'd always be like, Hey, this is what Chris Jericho told me. This is what Eddie Guerrero told me. So yeah. I knew it was coming from like very legitimate sources. Um, but then once I got hired, yeah, he smartened me up a little bit to some backstage. Like one thing he told me, he's like, don't ever sell in gorilla. Like if you have like a, sh- <laughs> you have like a shitty match, yeah. like don't come in a gorilla and be like, fuck, I fucked up. I'm sorry. But now he's like, just, no, yeah, it's whatever. Because he goes, they might be like, oh yeah, like you do fucking suck. You know, something like that. He's like, he's like, totally. Or he says, if you get yelled at, you know, there's one time we, uh, not we, we, it was a six man tag, but Enzo fucked up the time. And, uh, Pumpkin. it was, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was the crossover segment, which is like a huge deal. We didn't know that cause they didn't tell us, she don't tell us shit. Yeah. Um, but we kind of fucked up there. Enzo kind of fucked up the time and we got messed up on crossover. We get to the back. He was smart enough to just dip. <laughs> he just, he just left gorilla. He's a good business. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You knew that. that. He knows what he's doing. And, uh, you know, Johnny kind of yelled at us a little bit. Cause again, crossover is very important. You can't mm-hmm. fuck that up. Yeah. We didn't really know that. So again, yelled at pretty good and uh i just remember when my brother 
told me, he said, he's like, don't like argue, don't yell back. No just, cell city. just no cell, nod your head. Okay, I'm sorry. Like, it'll never happen again. And he goes, just go to the locker room and vent. So we get to the locker room. Like, that was the first time in my adult life in a long time that someone like yelled at me that <laughs> anybody else yelled at me. I'd be like, yeah, fuck you. Like, well, you yeah. can't talk to me like that. I'm an adult. But that's a situation. Like, okay, okay. Then go back to the locker room and then I throw my back. What the fuck, man? Talk to me like that. I'm an adult, you know, but that was just little things like that. Like don't sell him gorilla. Just, yeah. just take it on the chin. It is what it is. And I said, okay, so I'm glad he told me all those yes, things because nice. I eventually ran into those situations and it worked out great for me. You know, yeah. I, I never got like labeled as someone with like a bad attitude or something like that. Like don't, don't talk back to your producers and this and that. Like it's, it's just hard. It's hard it's to bite your tongue. Very hard. You're like, what the, you're not, yeah. You're not used to being like, yelled yeah. at or like reprimanded for something like, especially a lot of us like i said we were on the indies for 10 years so mm-hmm. usually our last couple of years going into wwe like you're crushing it usually things are going on the way up promoters are happy to see you happy to use you you're doing well the fans are into your shit so you're kind of like feeling yourself a little sure. bit and then when you get there and then someone's like yelling about you about some like tiny minutia shit you're just like like why are we even talking about this like yeah. who, like i heard this quote once i don't even know if it's real or not but something like dusty Rhodes said they're like if whatever you plan in a match if you get at least 70 percent of it goes well then like just call it a good day you know right. it's like that so sometimes when you hear like you criticize on these little fucking things i'm like who cares but did you ever get in your own head about some of that stuff if you were being like nitpicked about oh yeah things? oh yeah, yeah that was definitely because again that's the difference between like a pro wrestling company and WWE. Like they care about these small little things and, yeah. and who knows, maybe that could be the thing that sets them apart. You know, um, you see it happen to a lot of wrestlers where you start, like I never second guess myself on the Indies. I just followed my gut and it usually went well, but when they tell you, Oh, you need to do this or you need to do that. You need to do that. You start going like, Oh man, like, am I, am I not as good as I think I am? Or totally what's the deal, you know? Man. And I saw it happen to so many guys, really talented guys like Ali and Buddy and Tommy and like, yeah. you get told these certain things or the guys down on the PC, you know, everything you did on the indies that got you there. And then they say, all right, well now don't do any of that shit. And you're kind of like, oh, no is- magic carpet rides. Yeah, no magic carpet rides and shit Come like on. that. So at times, but you just learn to kind of get over it. That comes, I think, with experience. Like, my first year or two was kind of like had that, but then after a few years, you kind of learn the lay of the land. You're like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to do me. And if they like it, now, like I said, sometimes they just yell at you just to yell at you because they have to, you know, justify their jobs. They got to flap their gums about something. You can't mm-hmm. come back. Like you can come back and they should just say, Hey, great job. Thanks for the effort, all that kind of stuff. But they always have to say something, you know, yeah, they always have yeah. to nitpick one little thing. But if you're confident in yourself and you know how shit works. And like I said, once you're there for a couple of years, then you stop stressing about it. So my last Two years there, like I was really happy with everything mm-hmm. I was doing because I thought everything was going well. Um, how surprised for you when you got the call that you were being released? So ooh, that was going back. The dogs are also barking, the baby's crying, it's all going very well. So when all the COVID releases happened, and that was when my brother got released, and I like we like survived that wave. I was like, okay, I think everything's good. But my release was actually like the third wave, you know, I think like, like when Samoa Joe and those and the Iconics and they got let go, that was kind of, it was weird because I was like, man, like Joe's been on commentary Iconics. I think we're on on WrestleMania. Like they were all just booked. Yeah. So that happened. But I remember thinking like, okay, WWE hasn't done like a mass release other than the COVID, but hasn't done like just random releases like that in a while. Maybe that's it. And then it happened again. And then Braun Strowman got released. And that's when I was like, fuck. I was like, if they fired Braun, like now, any, now, now anybody, no one's any, safe. Any, yeah, no one's safe. Um, so I wasn't like 
preparing for it. I just thought I said, Hey, it could be anybody at this point, Mm -hmm. but me and Tony were on like every episode of 205 live. Like Mm -hmm. when I moved back to the PC and a producer there literally told a producer was not there anymore. told us like, when you guys aren't on the show, like the show fucking falls apart because it's just a lot of like new guys, you know, who are still learning like TV style and all that kind of stuff. Especially when you'll have like such a smaller window. It's not like raw SmackDown. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's tough. So this producer told us like, Hey, like when you guys are on the show, like the show kind of fucking falls apart as far as like not necessarily match quality, but like just getting the right angles and then just understanding like WWE style of wrestling. Yeah. So because we were wrestling so much and we were doing a lot of tag stuff and we're getting a lot of praise from, you know, Shawn Michaels was telling us we were doing a good job and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I feel like we shouldn't be someone who gets released because we're doing well. Everything's going fine. So it was surprising on that aspect because I thought we were doing good stuff. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, they always say like, Hey guys who are like good workers, they can have jobs for life and stuff like that. But letting go Braun and Bray Wyatt and stuff like that. Like clearly there's a changing of the guard in WWE and everything's changing right now. So it makes me stressed for everyone. To, I like, just super, feel that way. Yeah. Like it sucks to feel that way. of like waiting for the other shoe to drop in. I feel yeah. like it's really hard to do a good job when you are working under. That. And the tough thing was like planning your personal life. Cause like I mentioned to you how I kind of want to make a move out to Las Vegas and we were also looking at Tampa for a while. And this is like a crazy, like sign from God or something like that was, uh, I was about to put an offer on a house in mm-hmm. Tampa and I talked to my realtor and told her, Hey, you know, I think we'll go with this one. She goes, great. You know, I'll send you the paperwork. And as I was walking back to my car, I got a text from my brother and that was like Samoa Joe. And I kind of, Hey, do you see all these guys got let go? I was like, is there more coming? And my brother's like, ah, I think maybe, I don't know. Like, uh, cause he wasn't hired back yet, but he's like, yeah. it's just kind of weird. Right. So I like call my realtor and I was like, you know what, let's hold off for a sec. And like I said, I'm glad that we did wait yeah. because, cause part of the reason moving to Tampa too, I said, well, if I'm going to be wrestling in Orlando a bunch, cause it seemed Who like 205. Yeah. Well, it like- seemed like 205 was going to stick with NXT. I don't, yeah. I didn't think it was going to go back. So I said, I think I'm going to be wrestling in Florida a lot. So I said, yeah. well, fuck it. Why don't we move? I like Tampa. Why don't we move there and just kind of, then it'll be an easy drive. You know, we're ready to go somewhere else. But mm-hmm. when that happened, it made me kind of pump the brakes a little bit. And I'm glad I did because. Yeah. But all I kept thinking, I was like, God, if I get this like nice new big house and then get fired like a week later, I was like, what am I going to do with myself? Like, that's so, yeah. the absolute worst. Yeah. I think that happened to somebody else. Too, I, I think Drew McIntyre said it happened to him. Like, uh, he like just moved to a new place uh, with his fiance or girlfriend at the time. And now you got like let go shortly after. Uh, like, and I was like just joking. I was just joking about it with my girlfriend. I said, I said watch, like something's going to happen. We're going to get this house. I'm going to let go or some shit like that. So luckily it wasn't, it wasn't my turn yet to get let go, yeah. but it was enough of a sign to be like, Ooh, maybe some maybe shit's changing. So maybe I should wait a little bit. Man. Yeah. Just yeah. such a, it's, it's definitely a scary time. I feel for anyone that's waiting to get right. that, that 203 number. Pop yeah, up right, yeah, pop yeah. Don't answer. Don't answer it. But like we said earlier, when we started the show that like, but it is a great time as well, too, because sure. there's so much wrestling out there. Yeah. So funny enough, when I got off the phone, it was Canyon who called me. My girlfriend told me, she goes, she goes, I was she's like, not that I was like looking forward to this day or nothing, but she's like, I thought about this day before. She goes, I never thought you'd like take it so calmly. And you almost had like a look of relief on your face. Yeah. I said a little bit, because like you said, like waiting for the other shoe to drop, like it's going to fucking happen. It's not going to happen. So it's kind of like, all right, it fucking happened. Like. Let's move on let's with that. Yeah, let's let's, exactly. Let's go. just move on with our fucking lives now. Yeah. So, yeah. so she was quite surprised. She goes, I thought, she's like, I don't know if you'd be like so devastated and this and that, but like, I feel like just cause my brother being in the business and I think I'm just pretty smart to the business. Mm-hmm. Like 
yeah, you can't take that shit personally. Like no. I've always been a believer, like this wrestling business owes you nothing. It really doesn't. So sure. you can't be, oh, those motherfuckers, how could they, how you know? They? Yeah. You know, yeah. Was, you get the little chip on your shoulder, but like, I go, yeah, whatever. Like it's, they're lost. That's the way I look at it. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. If you weren't a wrestler, what would you do? You want to know what my like secret thing is that yes. I, I deep down wish. And it's one of my big life regrets is that like, I think being like a rock star <laughs> that was like the one thing okay. I wanted to do. And I have a huge life regret of never learning an instrument. Like I wish I like, cause when I was like in seventh grade, I like, I, like, I want to learn the guitar. And my parents like, okay. So they bought me like a little electric guitar. Mm-hmm. And like, after like two weeks, it was still like, I was still like, dang, dang. And I was like, this fucking sucks, you know? So I quit that. But like, I was thinking back, go, man, I was like, if I played the guitar from seventh grade up until now, right yeah, now. I'd be a rock star, you know? So I think about that all the time too. Cause I'm like, I think the same, like I bought a guitar. I went yeah. like a decent yeah, yeah. guitar. I'm like, if I buy a nice one, I'll force myself to learn how to do it. And then I just fucking didn't. Yeah, yeah. I was taking lessons for a little bit. And each time I'm like, if I just stuck with it by now, I would at least be somewhat, I could function. I'm decent. Right. Yeah. And the way I looked at it too, is that like indie, I always compare when people would ask me like, like when like, you're an indie wrestler, what does that mean? I'd always say, it's just like being in a band. I travel up and down the roads mm-hmm. for not a lot of money. I work in these little shitty bar shows. Sometimes it's just like my family and friends. Sometimes it's packed out, whatever. And you just kind of travel along and hopefully someday you get that big record contract and you go from there. So yeah. I said, that's what indie wrestling was like to me. So I always thought, I said, I don't think I would have minded like me and my little band, like getting a car and drive around yeah. and like, I mean, I wrestled in bars, it's different than performing in bars, you know, sure. and then if you, and like I said, I had the dedication to it. Like after like three or four years, my parents are like, you still want to do this? I'm like, yeah, of course. And after like seven years, like, are you sure you still want to do this? Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm not fucking giving up on this. So I feel like I would have had that attitude with something else I would have done. You have to, especially yeah. with something like, cause yeah, it's not like a, you're going to make it in like five years or anything. Yeah, like, yeah. It takes so much time to like, really get those mm-hmm. like hours under your belt to get your name out there for everyone to kind of like recognize who you are, what you're bringing to the table. Can you sing? Can I know? Not at all. Really? <laughs> that's the thing. Like, this- I feel like as you're talking, I was like, his voice sounds like maybe he could do it. So that's the thing. I have, like it's like a little like secret. Like, oh, I wish I was like a rock star or something, but no, like I have no musical talent. I can't, <laughs> I can't sing. Bring I can't like, I can't read music. And so that's why like, this is just a pipe dream I had, you know? So who knows if I would have started younger and taken singing lessons yeah. and all that kind of stuff, who knows? But like, no, I feel like I'm very uh, musically illiterate. <laughs> Best way to say it. What is the worst piece of advice that you've been given? Worst piece. Of like is everyone, anyone giving you like advice? It's just like, come on, that's not going to get me anywhere. Like whether it pertains to life, to wrestling, whatever. I mean, the not losing your shit in gorilla is great. Advice. Great advice. Yeah. Very sound advice. One thing to me was, you know, some people, when I was an indie wrestler, like you need to like be 24 seven dedicated to pro wrestling. And I was super dedicated to pro wrestling, but when I was an indie wrestler, there was nothing really going on Monday mm-hmm. through Thursday. Wrestling shows are Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I knew some guys who were like, no, I'm all in on indie wrestling. This is all I'm going to do. I'm not going to have like a shoot job or nothing like that. I always like had a shoot job because I said, what was your shoot job? I had so many because again, I could never like, they were just like filler jobs until I like made it. Did you work at your dad's restaurant? I did work at my dad's restaurant. That's what paid for my wrestling school. Okay. I was a, so both of my older brothers were like servers there. I was the only one who actually had worked in the kitchen. So I was ah. like making pizzas and all that kind of shit because I just didn't like, I don't work, but yeah. they're probably making the real money. Yeah. yeah. I just didn't want to like talk to people and shit like that. I was, Fair yeah. Enough. Yeah. It's um, brutal. Yeah. So like, 
I worked in the pizza kitchen. That was kind of helped me like pay for wrestling school. I had a few like bullshit office jobs. I was a bartender and a door guy in college for a little Mm. bit, like checking out. That was actually my favorite real job was being a bartender and like a door guy, especially in a college town. Cause like a lot of chicks were like into that stuff. You're like, Meet those yeah. Like, so I was like, kind of the one, like, I'm the reason why you get into this place. You yeah. know? So yeah, a little bit of like power than that. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, did that for a little bit. And then they switched me to a bartender and that was a really fun job. I didn't mind that because a, you had the bar between you and the people. So that was kind of nice. Yeah. And like, you got the booze. So like, if and like when you're a bartender, like a server can't be like, well, fuck you. I'm not bringing you your food. But a bartender, you can be like, I ain't fucking serving you then. I'm just going to yeah. ignore you all night and go to this person. Yeah. So like people are a little bit nicer and stuff like that. And again, like, you know, you give a girl a free drink or something like that. She's like, yeah, here's my I number. Yeah, yeah. What is the best drink that you make? So it was a college town. So I was just doing tons of beer and tons of like rum and Cokes and this and that. But anytime uh, I get a lot of these girls who come up to me, they're like, oh, I want like a Skittle shot. And I'm like, okay, what's in it? They're like, they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, what does it taste like? They're like Skittles. So I used to go like take a shot glass and I'd grab like six flavored schnapps, like, like (laughs) cherry, lime, everything. Like, and just like pouring them like here's your skittle shot and they take and they're like that was great i was like all right it worked um john and i went to this bar in denver one time and they had skittles flavored vodka oh really but they had a little like jug things of vodka set up but they were there was like um swedish fish fuzzy peach. was there candy in there yes. okay yeah so, so it was, like infused this was the first wrestlemania that we did in new orleans and we were there and John wanted to recreate making it. So we had like divided all the Skittles yeah. by their color. And he was really, I remember giving like a bottle of it to like Serona, yeah. like passing out some of these like shitty bottles of vodka that it was so ghetto and there was so much sugar in it that it would have given you the right, worst right. fucking hangover. Um, okay. And one thing I would like you to tell me about that. I, I mean, I know you just recently talked about this, yeah. but what happened in Saudi Arabia with this? There's like a hard yeah. right turn after yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. Skittles vodka. What happened here? So the Saudi Arabia deal goes down, right? We all find out like, okay, we're down. This is like the first time going over Yeah, this this is the very first show. So obviously you hear about it and everyone, oh, these are multi, multi multi-million dollar deals. These are big shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, big shows. At that time, everyone's kind of psyched. Like, we don't yeah. really know. Like, oh, shit, we're going to Saudi Arabia to wrestle? Cool. And and at that time, 205 guys weren't doing a lot of international shit. So a handful of us were booked on it. All right, cool. We're doing some international stuff. A country we've never been to. It's going to be crazy. I'm sitting in catering. And one of the props guy comes up to me. He goes, hey, we're bringing an Iranian flag to Saudi Arabia. I'm like, oh, like, for me, probably, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, but it's really weird. Like, it's really hard getting it there. Uh, it has to go on Vince's like private jet to get it there. What? And I'm like, that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this seems kind of weird. So I Google about it. Okay. Oh, there's mad heat between like Iran and Saudi Arabia. And I kind of apologize for not being like politically in on that kind of stuff. But yeah. I feel like a lot of people in America don't know the geopolitics sure. of other places, you know, and now uh, walked into that blindly. yeah. Like my, my parents never really smartened me up about it. And obviously when I had told when everything went down, they're like, Oh yeah, you didn't know. I was like, no, I didn't know. So I went and talked to Vince. And just going over there's not, yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah. You're on edge a little bit. Well, so right. mind you, I mean, I don't, did you ever end up going? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had to like sign those, like, sign these papers and stuff like that, that had like the rules of like Saudi Arabia and like. I sign one of those. We were 
getting a call though about like what I had to wear and that yeah, was yeah, yeah. very strict. So just like, the fact that we had to sign these things and you know TR had to tell us you know all these like strict rules, like no like, tattoos, yeah, all this kind of no stuff, and stuff, stuff like and we that, all know right? certain things are like punishable by death and like sure. so everyone's kind of like oh holy crap. So I'm talking to Vince about it, and he said, "What else know, was on that? No alcohol, no tobacco, no alcohol, right? uh, no porn, no <laughs> that, porn, yeah, no porn, yeah, 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 Shit. no porn on your phone and stuff like that." Um, so, yeah, so we told we we're doing this segment where like you were gonna come out as like an Iranian, you're gonna do something with the Saudi trainees, which is like Mansoor. He was the only one who was like sweet man, yeah, Mansoor. very very nice guy. He was the only one who was like an American Saudi Arabian kind of like how I'm an Iranian American, yeah. And the rest were actually like Saudi guys. So I talked to Vince and I said, hey, do you think this is kind of a like too touchy of a thing to do? Because I said we obviously don't like do that shit anymore, like. You know, yeah. we, we're not doing that here in America. And he said, no, like, it'll be fine. Like, uh, this is requested to be part of the show and all that kind of stuff. So, well, okay, whatever. And, and this is one thing that people may not understand. Like, this, I was only two years into the company. Like I said, these deals are really big deals. You know, yeah. I'm just a cruiserweight trying to make it up. I'm not going in there and saying no to shit. In hindsight, I should have, but, uh, and I did afterwards when I said, I said, we're never doing that again. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of said, okay, like, I guess I'm kind of doing what I'm told. Like a week before, uh, I started having like neck issues a little bit, and like uh, I started getting like pain down my arm. That's getting kind of serious. And like the week before we're gonna go, I'm wrestling Ali on 205 Live, and I gave him a backstabber in the match. Um, and as soon as I hit the mat, I just get like lightning bolts down mm-hmm. my arm. And like just from being a wrestler, I'm I know like what are common wrestler injuries. Yeah. So I was kind of like, oh shit, this ain't good. So I went and told the doctor, and all I kept thinking is. Uh, when he said, like, hey, okay, we have to like pull you off and put you on MRI and shit like that. I said, fuck. I said, Vince is going to think that I'm like milking an injury or faking an injury to like get out of this yeah. shit. But luckily we had the MRI to prove like, nah, he has like a <laughs> herniation in his neck and all that kind of stuff. So I thought it was like, ah, I guess that segment's canceled. They called me and they said, hey, can we get your brother's information? And I go, what do you need my brother's information? Like, oh, we're going to send him to Saudi Arabia instead. So again, me trying to be like a good soldier, I said, hey, you know what? Like, I understand, like, if this is not a match, it's just a segment, like, I can still go, you know, I'm in horrible pain this whole time. Mm-hmm. So they go, you know what? We'll have you and your brother. Let's get on a really long yeah, flight. Yeah. That'll make it feel They better. go, why don't we have you and your brother go together? Okay, cool. We got to do something together. Again, not knowing what this is going to turn into. I'm just kind of thinking like, I got to do something with my brother yeah, and WWE. Yeah. It's a very kind of exciting thing. Yeah. 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 It's just different stuff that we don't ever get to do when we're here. Exactly. You don't really see much beyond that. Those. Yes. Things. And just the opportunity where we, Hey man, if this goes well, maybe they'll hire Sean back and we can be a tag team in sure. WWE or something like that. You know, that was always a dream of ours. <sighs> So I tell you, you know, I can still go again, trying to be a good soldier and all that kind of stuff. No, I can still go. And and again, 15 hour plane ride and fucking miserable. My neck is killing me. I have no strength in my tricep, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, So we get there, we do the deal. I'm in gorilla trying to like pump up. I can't do a push up because Mm -hmm. my neck is so fucked up. And I wasn't supposed to take any sort of, I was on a complete, like no contact list. And my brother was just going to get bumped around. And then I, again, being the good soldier, I said, I said, it's kind of weird. I just like stand there and watch my brother get his ass kicked. Right. Yeah. I said, how about the guy like pushes me on my ass? And they basically told me like, we'll allow that. If you're like telling us right now that you're okay with it. And if you get hurt, like you're not gonna, like, we're telling you, like, you shouldn't do this. I said, no, you know, I'm tough. I can fucking do it. Yeah. So that's why in the segment I get like pushed on my ass and just roll out. My brother takes all the bumps and that was it. So we do the deal, you know, uh, I remember as we we're walking back up the ramp, 
I'm still in full like character mode. My brother was smart enough to like grab me. He goes, Hey man, like we fucking did it. Like we did something together. Like soak this in. And I was like, yeah. Oh shit. You know, cool. You know, uh, we go do the deal and it's all cool. And, and then when I get back home, that's when I start getting all the DMS from like people in Iran or people in Saudi Arabia and like BBC Persia picked up on it and just, just turned into like a whole, like, like shit. look at this bullshit WWE did, you know, like yeah. going into another country and just kind of making light of, you know, turning a wrestling angle into something that's very serious. And that's when I like got very educated on it. And yeah. I said, Oh, I said, damn, I said, this was fucked up. Like yeah. we shouldn't have been doing this. Like we were smart enough to not do this in America, but we go to another country and do that. So I said, I told the office, Hey, I'm going to put out like an apology because, or just say, hey, if this offended people, like, I'm sorry, I should have studied up on it more. Like mm-hmm. we shouldn't have done this. Um, and they said, go ahead, put out the apology, but just know, like, we're not going to retweet it. We're not going to apologize. This is just strictly on you. If that's something you want to do. And I said, yeah, I want to do it. I said, yeah. I'm not like a shitty guy. Like I'm trying to, I don't want to offend people. I don't want this to be bad. I want this to be a entertainment blends with like real life stuff yeah so yeah touchy. wrestling's so weird about that because if if people saw that on like a movie screen or on a tv show mm-hmm. it wouldn't fucking matter sure. but because wrestling is just like pseudo like is it real it's yeah, yeah it's kind of weird so people were very offended by it so and one thing that really bothered me is that people in iran were upset about it mm-hmm. how could you do this how could you you know make us look like that and that kind of stuff and i didn't know it was going to have that kind of thing so that that was really why i put out the yeah, apology i said yeah. oh man i don't want people if there's because i still to this day have tons of wrestling fans in iran because there's just you don't see that very often yeah. you don't see a iranian american in wwe stuff like that so anyone who's a wrestling fan out there they were super excited to see like a fellow persian man yeah. uh in wwe and stuff like that so a lot of them were very offended and i said oh fuck i don't i'm not trying to alienate any sort of a mm-hmm. fan base by doing stupid shit like that so it, it became kind of a big deal you know got a handful of death threats and stuff like that so like, yeah yeah right so it got a little serious uh I remember, uh, I think Jim Cornette, like, kind of commented on it a little bit, being like, we used to get heat and death threats back in the day all the fucking time. Oh, I go, okay, this ain't fucking 1970s Memphis anymore, yeah. like, or whatever the, the fuck we wrestle. The world has changed. Yeah, I'm not trying to, like, do that kind of shit. Or, try, like, WWE doesn't do that kind of shit. We're not trying to get death threats and stuff like that. That's not yeah. cool. Like, because I said, if anything, like, it's just going to turn people off, you know? Cause, and there were plenty of people in America who were just like, like, that was right, a you fuck- don't more fans. Yeah. They're like, they're like, that was a fucked up segment. You know, people yeah. who were, you know, aware of what's going on over there. So I said, you're really just alienating people by doing like fucked up shit like this. Yeah. So, and unfortunately, like the fans aren't still too crazy about the Saudi show and stuff like that. So yeah. I told them, I said, Hey, going forward, like, that wasn't a good look. I said, I don't want to be a part of these shows anymore. You know, I'll yeah. just kind of stay. And that's not just me. You know, there was a handful of wrestlers yeah. who said, you know, you that, never went back to Saudi Arabia after that. No, like yeah. actually the next two shows, it popped up on my app and I had to like text Corona and be like, Hey, you remember you said we're not going anymore. Oh, sorry. It was just a mistake. We just need, cause yeah. that's when they did like the world's greatest battle Royal or some shit like that. So they just needed, and so stole the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they needed a lot of bodies and stuff like that. Yeah. So that was why like two or five guys were getting booked, but every time they said, Oh, sorry. And they just took it off. And yeah. That was oh, kind well, that's of, good. Yeah. So that was kind of, you know, they were cool about that. They yeah. said like, you know, I just don't feel comfortable going back. You know, it's just, it's just not a good look. And also like, I kind of didn't, trust them a little bit. I didn't want them to like, well, you're here. Like, Hey, guess what? Tonight you're going to wrestle Mansoor. And like, that's going to be like the next step of it. So I just didn't want to get there. And they said like, we're going to go back to it now or some shit like that, you know? Yeah. Just take yourself out of the equation. I said, let's just, let's just back out of the situation. And, and luckily enough, I I don't think I ever got any heat for it. They're always very 
cool about it. I never, cause I kind of asked around. I said, are they like mad at me now yeah. that I don't want to go back? Because I know by like the second or third one, like a lot of people started saying they didn't want to go. Yeah. And I think I got to a point where like, I right, know some of you guys are fucking going, whether you like it or not, you know? So, yeah. so it started again. So I always got worried. I said, are they going to say like, no, no, you know what? Everyone's going now. And then obviously the last time they went, there was that kind of issue where the plane got held up and stuff like that. So yeah, it was just kind of one of those things. I said, honestly, I just don't feel comfortable being a part of this anymore. Yeah, yeah, you know? fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I went over there twice, and I mean, I had actually had a great time both times. My my time there. other other than like the backlash of yeah. that segment, time there was great. Yeah, you know, it was it was cool to see another country somewhere Absolutely. I've never been. You know, they they did treat us very well. Mm-hmm. We're a nice hotel, all that kind yeah. of stuff. You know, so. Great spread of food. <laughs> great spread of food, oh my you know. God. So that stuff was all great. It was just just that one segment that we did on the show just kind of really tainted the whole experience yeah. for me. And you know, and for a lot of people, obviously. So that was why I just said, you know, I'm just gonna kind of remove myself from that yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. You know? Smart move, smart yeah. move. Okay, so September 23rd, yes. 90 days are up, your non-compete is yes. up, and you can hit the ground running. You're having some conversations already, mm-hmm. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be ready to, to go. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Like That's I said, because one thing I was thought about before I got to WWE, like because I was so laser focused on WWE, it never allowed me to focus on anything else. That's why I said like my shoot jobs I had, I was like moved around and this and that because every job I had, I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be in WWE. I'm supposed to be wrestling. So now I can finally say like, I went there, I did it. I know what it's all about. I kind of feel like your success is chosen for you there. So you don't have to like harp on that and stuff like that. You yeah. can kind of just finally move on. And luckily my time that I'm moving on is when wrestling has blown the fuck up, you know, doing and, it, baby. you know, this company called AEW shows up and just turns yeah. the whole wrestling landscape upside down. So I said, damn, like it's shit's, so shit's really changing. It's, yeah. it's, it's awesome to watch. And also like, I have so many of my friends that I came up with now, like I have so many friends in impact. I have so many friends in AEW. I have so yeah. many friends in new Japan that like, these were guys who maybe didn't get a shot at WWE, but now they're all thriving in all these other places, MLW, yeah. NWA, like, it's awesome to see. So it's cool that I know that like now if I go to a different locker room, that, oh, tons of my friends are there and this yeah. and that, you know, so I'm very excited to see what's coming next. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited for you. I'm glad we got to do this in person. I know. I was really happy. Yeah. This like, is really cool. The Zoom ones are fun, but to get them and do in person is like this a whole is different This is so much program. better. Way yeah. much better doing it in person. Yeah. And now you're out here in Vegas and uh, you can see if you want to move out here. Into I this do. Hopefully. Fucking heat. Yeah. All right, guys. It's been Oral Sessions. Ari Davari. You guys can catch him wherever he shows up in uh a couple weeks. Couple weeks. Yeah. Thank you to Arya Davari for coming and hanging out with me inside my domicile. Much appreciated that you came over to my house, hung out, Ubered all the way over here in the blistering heat that is Las Vegas. Uh, and you brought a baby outfit. I'm not letting that one go. It's very nice. It's nice when people bring a gift, you know, I appreciate it. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, I, I certainly did. I love being able to chat with him in person. So yeah, more of that, hopefully in the future here for oral sessions. That's what I want in my crystal ball tea leaves predictions for oral sessions is some more in person, uh, action. I love that. Um, all right, guys, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Renee Paquette. Follow the volume sports at the volume sports and check out my YouTube page where you can see all this video, all of these videos. 
all of these videos would be the correct grammar on that. Um, but yeah, all of these, all the interviews pop up on my YouTube um, a little bit after they've premiered through um, through the podcast version. So if you want to see us talk, whether it be in person or via Zoom, you can check them all out there. Until next time, this has been Oral Sessions.